Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. All right. Hey, everybody. We are back again, Darren and Jordan talking about the first real sermon in the Names of God series. First, I think it's the first real sermon I've done. It's the first real one you've done. <laughs> the others were fake. They were a practice preseason. <laughs> yeah, this was Yahweh Rohi, which means I am your shepherd. And that's who God calls himself, right? Yeah. And so we went to 1 Kings 19 and talked about, um, was it Elisha? Elijah. Elijah, yeah. not Elisha. Yeah. It was Elijah. It's easy to get him. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah. Elijah and how he encountered God and, and how God met him at a very low time and ministered to him and shepherded him and really like encouraged him and then recommissioned him to go back yeah. out and, and oh, get after so it. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah. So it was really neat. It was a great story. A really undertold story. Yes. I, it's what I feel like. I, I feel like it's, yeah, I think it's so rich. And the few times I'd heard before, I felt like it was undertold. And as I learn more about it. I'm like, there is a lot here that's really profound. So. Yeah. So we don't want to rehash the whole message because you did it really well, Garen, but there are a few things we wanted to dig into. And the first was this, you, you maybe blew some minds yesterday because this whole concept of the angel of the Lord yeah, came into play. I know. And uh, this was something that I've only become familiar with in the last maybe 10 years or so. Growing up, we heard stories about the angel of the Lord and Bible class and things like that. And I just imagined it was like the leader of God's angel army. Yeah, like right. he's, this, he's the biggest, right. strongest angel. That's yeah. how I imagined him. But you brought to us yesterday that actually, if we dig deeper into the text, we find out that this was Jesus. Yeah. This was God in human flesh yes. meeting Elijah among others in the Old Testament before he was born yeah. of Mary in the New Testament. And he comes to earth physically and meets these people. Is that right? Yeah. Touches him and cooks him a meal, like totally mind blowing. Right. So for people who this is new to them and they haven't thought about that, this is a, this is a crazy thing. And you're even maybe a little bit suspicious listening. Like, yes. okay, is this just Garen's theory or is <laughs> right. this real? So can you give yeah. us, is this Garen's theory or is this something that's backed up and legit? Yeah. A couple of things. One, just that word angel is not the best word because in Hebrew, it's just messenger which is what it means in, in the New Testament too, in Greek. So when you, when, by saying the angel of the Lord, I think everybody automatically assumes, oh, an angel, a creative mm -hmm. being, Lord, it's the messenger of the Lord. So when you encounter an angel of the Lord, or um, it's a messenger, and that is referring to angels, spiritual beings he's created, but that the messenger of the Lord mm. is only, every time you see an encounter, and we're going to get some more of them in the names, but we're not going to lay those cards out. We're going to keep them close to our vest, but... Every time you see the name, the angel of the Lord, that person recognizes in that encounter, that is, I met God. And yeah, so there's been a lot written about the angel of the Lord. And the, the consensus is that that is, you know, that the father, the God exists, is invisible. 
and immortal. We're told in several places in John 4 and 1 Timothy. The only time he took on flesh is in Jesus. So a lot of people believe that is Jesus actually showing up. The pre-incarnate Jesus, so before he enters earth, what, 5 BC, but that he still, that he comes in physical form and actually meets people um, as a, so that people could meet God face to face. Yeah. And that even so that walking in the garden in, in Genesis 3 was probably the pre-incarnate Jesus that they were walking with, so. And if you know your Bible, then this isn't too surprising because in John 1, we learned that Jesus is the word. Yes. And the word was with God in the beginning and the word was God in the beginning and that nothing was created without the word. Yeah. And so Jesus is not this character that comes in later. He is from the beginning yep, he's there with in the, the beginning, father. And right? he's showing up in the Old Testament. And he's pulling his own way. He's not just hanging out. He is creating. Things are created through him. Yep. Um. And he's active. And he's active in the Old Testament. Yep, he's active. It's not just he's the not, Father. He's not just in the green room in heaven yeah, right. waiting. He's just, uh, yeah. My scene's not for another yep. 2,000 years. I'm waiting I'm just, out till, right. I, I'm Netflixing until the uh, immaculate conception. I'm yeah. just, yeah, no, he he's was, active. Yeah, the Spirit, the Son, they were all active all throughout the Old Testament. Yeah, it's pretty. So yeah, that's not just a thing I just kind of thought up on my own just to make a cooler sermon, but it's, that really is what's, that's incredible. what's going on. And you that. even said that, well, no, that's not what you said you hadn't realized. You said that there was something about this you hadn't realized until recent, recently, recent years, recent years, was that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same mountain. Yeah, that those are the same mountain. That Yeah, for a long time, because a lot of times in the English Bibles, they would translate Horeb as Sinai because that's what we know in the West. And they'd put a note down there and maybe I hadn't read the note. So I just thought, okay, he's going... You know, I, like I want to go climb Pikes Peak. That's kind of what I thought. Oh, I'm going to go climb. Like a mountain oh, retreat. See. Yeah. Let's Long's get... Peak. I'm just going to go do Long's Peak. <laughs> yeah. And maybe God will meet me up there. That's what I thought for a long time. And I had no idea it was the same mountain and that he wanted to encounter the living God like Moses had. He desperately needed to, an encounter. And that's what he was seeking. That's really cool. So what's up with Sinai? Where do they get that? What is that? It is another name for it. I think Horeb was the... Horeb's the Hebrew yeah, word, Yeah, probably right? the Hebrew. Sinai, it's, I think Sinai is also Hebrew. I'd have to look. I'm pretty mm. sure it's in there. It's probably just different names from yeah, like which part of where you were from maybe Interesting. or something. Huh. Okay, so the, the significance jumps off the charts when we understand that Horeb is Sinai. Yeah. Because now we know he wants to have a Moses experience like in Exodus 33. He wants to meet God face to face. Yeah and hear his voice and see him, and he needs that. Yeah. And so he says, this is my last ditch effort. Yep. And if you look on that map of how far he walks, yeah. that's a hard walk anywhere, but he is crossing barren desert, a whole peninsula to get to this mountain. And that's pretty incredible. Dude, that'd be like walking across Western Kansas to get to Colorado. And Eastern Colorado, that's even worse to get to the mountains. Size-wise, I wonder what the yeah. comparison but is. It's but even, it's even starker. Yeah, that desert is just barren. Yeah. That, that's crazy. That, that he did that, but I had another question. So Exodus thirty-three, Moses is up on Mount. You know what? Let's get rid of Sinai. Okay, he's up on Mount Horeb. All right, we're changing the script. We just flipped the script right here. Moses is up on Mount Horeb. He is meeting God, and um, in my mind, he was meeting God the Father. And like, I don't know. I learned this story when I was like seven, right? So I just imagine like, I don't know big God, the father. And it says he covers him in the rock as he walks by. Right. And yeah. so I imagine like a huge hand covering a little cave. Yeah. That's just my vision. But then with this, with this talk of Jesus being in the old Testament, was he seeing Jesus or was he seeing God, the father, or what was that like for yeah. Moses? Good question. I, 
and we talked about this before, but he saw Jesus in the bush because it says the angel of the Lord was in the bush. It doesn't say that about Exodus 33, and it appears that it's the Father that he's seeing, wanting to see the glory of there. And I think it's the same in 1 Kings 19, that Jesus is meeting him on the way, cooking him meals, touching him, talking to him. When he gets up to the mountain, it doesn't say anything about the angel of the Lord, that that's probably the Father. So, you know, you know, the Spirit is not mentioned specifically, but it's almost a Trinitarian story, both of them. So, I th- Oh, it really is a Trinitarian story. Yeah. Because God was not in the wind, right? Like the, is it, is it, do they say ruah? Yeah, that would, that's what the word Which would is the Hebrew be. word yeah. for spirit, right? Yeah. Or wind, it's kind of the same. Huh. So, yeah. So that encounter in Exodus 33, Elijah on the mountain was probably the father who is invisible, but he, he's able to show his glory. You know, who knows, bright, bright light, bright fire. We just don't know yeah. what that looked like, but. How yeah. cool. The other cool thing about Elijah meeting God in First Kings 19 is kind of what we just said, right? He says, all right, meet me here. I'm going to show you my glory. And then he, he says, there's this incredible wind, but God was not in the wind. Yeah. And there's this incredible earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And then there was a whisper, right? And God was in the whisper. And you mentioned just in us talking, like how true is that of our lives too? That so we true. want God to be the big, loud, obvious voice or cloud is this perfect shape of what we need to do in the sky. Yeah, right. And he's just, he doesn't work like that. We always want the big miraculous. And I feel like Jordan, I probably, I guess you're the same. If I categorize the three or four most conversations I most have people about spiritual life, this is one of them is like, why is he not showing up? And the way they want him to show up, I mean, I'm this way, is it's gotta be big. We're always wanting big things. And that's why I preached that sermon a year and a half ago that God prefers to show up in the mundane and the ordinary. That's what I think God is saying to Elijah. Like, you thought that big miracle was going to change this place, change this country, you know, change those people. It's not the big that does that. It's, I work in smaller ways and it's those smaller encounters that transform people. And I think we all need to be reminded of that because it is so easy to be like, God, you haven't shown up in my life. And what I mean is, he hasn't done a huge, big miracle. And he might be like, I'm showing up in your life a thousand times every day. You just don't have the eyes to see it mm-hmm. because it's in the small and the ordinary. So I found that personally freeing. When I learned to let my spiritual life be primarily about the small and the ordinary mm. and less about the big, yeah. even in ministry, you know what that's like, right? Early in ministry, you think it's the big events that, that do, do everything. And then mm-hmm. you start finding out, no, it's actually just walking with people in their life. And it's the one-on-one Bible studies every week that that's what transforms people, not the not that the big events are unimportant, but mm-hmm. yeah, that addiction we have. And I think in the West, especially to the big and the spectacular. Oh, sure. So you said that's one of the questions that you walk through with people the most is how do I, how do I hear? How do I see God? Because I'm looking for him and I'm not yeah. finding him. And I'm not finding like, where is he? Like in my life. And it's because they want the big thing. I was guessing one of the questions you'd address most of those people is, you know, can we chill out on the J.R. Tolkien stuff? <laughs> can we just go maybe a week without like Gandalf being on screen? Yeah, so. without Samwise. First time Samwise has made it in a sermon, man. He's like my favorite. So, was Samwise in this one? Yeah, because I talked about God provided um, Elijah with that he would create a successor, but it said at the very oh, end that he yes, would serve yes, him. Yes, 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 yes. And I said so he'd help carry the load. And oh, when I wrote that, carry yeah. the load, I thought of Sam. Yeah, right. I want to help. Carry did you the say load. that? Did you say that? Uh-huh, Sunday? I said you did. Both. Okay, I must yeah. have missed that one. Yeah. yeah, that's so, so true. But Dang, he did, I thought he, we had a week off and nope, you, no, you still he, fit it in yeah, there. He gave him a Samwise Gamgee, which is so cool. Wow, what a gift. Yeah. 
I made a list, just kind of a running list during the message of um, things that God provided for Elijah. And just because I, I just wanted to see like all the different things he did for him. Because like you said at the end, he could have said, hey, have a little more faith. Yeah. Or, hey, just man get, up a little bit. Get it together. Bit. Yeah, like, get it together. Pull yourself together. You're a prophet, dude. Like, yeah. come on. This is You should not be struggling. Which is maybe how we feel God might talk to us yes. sometimes. Yes. That's the voice we hear. Yep. But in reality, so this is my list. You tell me if I missed anything or I don't know. We'll just see where this goes. Maybe it's not going to do anything. But I saw that he first gave him shade, which we might not think is a big deal. But when you saw the pictures of that desert, you realize shade is life. Like he saved his life, gave him shade. He gave him rest. He gave him food and water. Yep. He gave him comfort. He gave him direction. He gave him protection. He reminded him of truth and yep. he sent him a helper. Yep. Reminded him that there are other people in the community out there. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he felt so alone. To me, the touch is huge. I mean, how many times? I find, you know, somebody asked me to pray for him and you pray, but I found, man, if you pray for somebody, just put your hand on their shoulder, that impacts people. Like yeah. we need physical touch. And I think the fact that the living God showed up and twice like put a hand on the shoulder of that guy, like, can you imagine how healing and huge that was? Yeah. So the touch thing. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the food. Yeah. And what's cool to me is that all those four areas that God met him in every single area. He met him physically. He met mm -hmm. him spiritually. He met him socially. He met him emotionally. So God cares about the totality of who I am and that yeah. his shepherding is in the totality of who I am. That is really big. That he's just not the spiritual God of like, come on, buck it up, you know? Yeah. Trust me. But he's... He cares about the totality and he cares about the little things. I mean, look at that. He, he made him a loaf of bread. He gave him a pitcher of water. He created shade for him. Like sometimes we might think God is only going to do the big things. He's only going to yes. eliminate the cancer. or yeah. He's only going to change this person's heart about the gospel. Well, yeah, but he's also the God of the little things. And when he sees that you need a break or need a restoration, like he's going to give you the shade. He's going to give you the pitcher of water. No thing is too small for him yeah. to bless you with too. Yeah. And it even says, you know, that, that bread was cooked over hot fire and coals, you know, he made a fire and. I don't think Jesus snapped his fingers and made fire. Like, <laughs> I, I think he really went out. Yes. I think when he showed up. Yeah. In and really did physical. It. Yeah. In that form. He, he's not just snapping like this and appears. Yeah. yeah. I think he actually, he was so exhausted. He was asleep. Jesus shows up, starts a fire cooks the bread. And if you've ever started a fire without a flint or matches, you're working hard. Yeah. I imagine Jesus doing that hard work for him. I really do. I think that's cool. Yeah. So, man, the more, so they always say like, hey, if you go back and see a story, people are always like, oh, I wish I could see the transfiguration. I wish I could see the crucifixion or the or creation. This would be a cool one. That would be a really cool one, right? To just be sitting maybe 20 or 30 feet away yeah. and watching that whole Elijah encounter. nap in the shade and Jesus make this fire, prepare his bread and, yeah. and then when Elijah wakes up, he's like, what in the world? Yeah. Who are you, man? Yeah, who are you? And like, yeah. yeah. And that's the living God that's there. Here's another question. Jesus looked Jewish. He was Jewish, right? Yeah. So he would have looked that way yeah, as the I'm angel sure. of the Lord. Yeah, I'm sure he would have looked. So I wonder if he's like, oh, is this guy from, I mean, we'd have to go into like what region of Israel they were from or like how they look different. But I don't know. This is where my mind is racing right now. But Elijah been like, oh, you look like me. You're, you're clearly like, in Israelite, or would he have been like, oh, you look a little different? Would he have been threatened? Yeah. I don't know. Surely he showed up like as a Viking, like yes. blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, Jesus, I'm like, sure he transformed into the Vikings. Really pumped, like yeah, that's Thor. right. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he did. You know, the other thing I think is he he asked him questions, which I love. 
He listened to his response. What did he, what did he ask him? He just said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Twice. Mm. Elijah explained both times, but that he's just, again, he's not giving statements or pronouncements. He ends up at the end, recommissions him, which I think is cool, but he's just how, I just love how God asks people questions. Yeah. And isn't just always saying things. He does say things at times, but I just think that's really cool. So yeah, pretty cool encounter. So can we hit this whole depression thing for a minute? Because there's something I didn't say yesterday. Wait, can I say one more thing? Yeah, say one more thing and then we'll jump into that. Um, I was thinking about how God is so good at providing all these things. Like we've only started with Shepherd, but you're going to give us a whole list. Yes. And already in the story, it's like, wow, God has so much love and compassion to give. Yeah. He's such a provider. Yeah. And I was just thinking, it's no wonder mm. that God didn't want to exist in perfect imperfect relationship with himself, yeah. but that he didn't want to just exist in darkness or void or whatever forever. Like I, I used to kind of wonder why did God really like want creation? I mean, he's perfect, right? But when you see all the love and compassion and provision that he is dying to give to the ones that he loves, it's like, it makes perfect sense. He wanted yeah. to create something and then care for it. Yeah. Like that's just the overflow of his heart. And if there's nothing for that love and compassion to overflow onto, you can just imagine all that untapped yeah. potential sitting there. Yeah. there he's a darkness. shepherd. It's in his nature. It's in his name. So yeah, shepherding. And he's, he's not going to shepherd himself in the Trinity. They don't need shepherding. Provision and leading and guidance and care. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the overflow of who he was was into creation of a community of other people. Like let's enlarge this community, but these are ones we can shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. To... I never want to create a picture of God being incomplete without us or, right. you know, needing us because right. he first, he does not. But I do imagine him sitting there kind of like calling into the darkness, maybe like, hello, like, does anybody need a shepherd or a provider or a rock or like, you know? And he's like, you know what? I'm going to make creation and I'm going to have community with these people and I'm yeah. going to give them what they need. I don't know. And that's a whole different dimension when you think about that. So yeah. anyways, I thought that was kind of cool. You might be out there like, yeah, Jordan, you were the only one who thought that, but maybe, maybe that's how it is. It's okay. Yes, Garen, you wanted to talk about uh, this depression kind of subject that you brought into it, which was so appropriate. I think yeah. a lot of people struggle with this in one way there or another. There are people who struggle with at it. At the very least, we know somebody. Yeah. At the very least. And yeah. And more often than not, you know, we are going to have struggles, maybe not depression per se, but certainly mental struggles yeah. in life. Melancholy right? or I think most people at some point in their life will likely go through at least an episode. Some people it's all the time or it's, it's part of their, it's their thorn in the flesh. We all have them. Yeah. But we don't talk about it in church very much. And I think especially in church, people feel like it's unspiritual, but the reality is here's a guy, that's where he was. And here's what I think is really cool, Jordan. But I didn't say yesterday, and we may come back, and I was just talking to Lisa, we may do a whole sermon on this because it needs to get talked about. But um, I heard Tim Keller one time talk about it, and he said that there's three worldviews generally that relate to depression or how you view it. He said there's the materialist who thinks we're just, you know, it's just material universe. There's no soul or anything. And he said their answer to depression is medicate. They just want to give you medication to fix the physical issues. Right. Because a lot of times there's like imbalance sure. of chemicals. Yeah. So that's all they want to do is, is, is give you medication. And then he said, then there's the moralist, the spiritualist. And their answer to depression is just trust Jesus or you're not praying enough or you need to repent of sin. That's their only answer. So materialist, their only answer is medication. The moralist, spiritualist, their only answer is 
just you got to get right with God. And then he's he says there's like the psychologist or the the therapeutic person, and theirs is like you just need to talk this out with somebody. Maybe we'll give you some life skills, but you just need a counselor. And what he said is all three of those by themselves are not enough. He said the reality is I'm a whole being who I, he would say has these four components: the spiritual, the social, the emotional, and the physical. And the, to me, what this story tells me is God has a more holistic view than a lot of us tend to have. And he's like, he sees all of it. And I think he would say for people that are struggling with that, there is probably a spiritual, an emotional, a social, and a physical component to all of that. And you need to dig into all four of those areas. And so to me, the way he shepherds Elijah tells me that this is how he would shepherd anybody with that, mm. is that this is a complex thing and that there's more going on than just get right with God or take medication. I'm not saying any of those, that's probably a component of some of it, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to say a little bit more about that because we don't ever talk about that in church. Yeah. And should should we not talk about that here yeah. more than what they hear at school or something else? Shouldn't sure. we be on the forefront Absolutely. of some of that? And if I hear you right, you're not you're not saying, hey, medication isn't the answer or this right. isn't the answer, but you are saying these all play a part and when they're used holistically together, that's when yep. the results come yeah. because that's how we see God approach and it. And that's how we see God. And I think that's a more biblical is that, yeah, that, yeah I see things holistically. So just to say, well, I'm just going to take my medicine and hope it gets better. That's not really the answer. And just to say, well, I'm just going to pray about it. Well, that's not yeah. the answer. It's or like having, I'm just going to go talk to a counselor. Just that alone is probably not the answer. Yeah. It's, it's like all of it together. It's all of it together probably. Yeah. Okay. And we're all different. So, yep. And then, you know, I think we also need to come back to the question you'd asked last week, like, why is this name of God thing so important? Mm, yeah. Now, I'm going to say something, and I said something last week, but I'm curious, why do you think it's so important that we know God in his names as he reveals them? You know, as you kind of get into these more, and you've kind of given us a sneak peek at what's coming. So even just seeing ahead, like, wow, we're going to talk about that. Okay. I am tempted to just speak to God in his actual name and not just what my Bible tells me, like God or Lord or whatever. There's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong. But it just makes me want to get more personal with him because that's what he calls himself and that's what he wants to be called. And those names are so descriptive. And even how you mentioned how you wrote in the front of your Bible, all his names and what they mean. And and like when you need a provider, praying that. When you need a rock, praying that. And so for me, like, I, I think it matters because it allows us to get way more personal with God mm. than just calling him God. Just God all the time. Hey, spiritual being. Yeah. It's like, I want to call you by your name. And not only is it more intimate, but it's more descriptive. Like it's more, it, it shows what he can actually do for you in a situation. Yeah. And so to me, it's like the difference between, like you said last time, like saying, hey, human, or like, <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, right. Garen, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I mean, that's cool. I, in I fact, like that. today when we did group prayer, I was kind of tempted to like call him Yahweh, but that's kind of weird to call him Yahweh in a group prayer. Like maybe that's just for me and my time with him, but I want to like call him Yahweh now or, you know, Yahweh Rohi or whatever. Yeah. Wherever he is. So maybe we can normalize that here. Maybe we could. Because there's nothing wrong the, with it. We're normalizing new things. The Satan. Yeah. The Satan. The Satan. The Satan, right. And uh, so. yeah, calling Yahweh by his name. So anyways, for me, that's why I think it's, it's important. Yeah. And for me, I started yesterday with one of them. It's that A.W. Tozer quote that he says, the most important thing about us is that we know God as he truly is. Because anytime I form an image of him, that's not him, that one, my soul is directed to that. And that's how I live my life so that we know him. 
he wants to be known, but if we live more biblically, when we really know who he is. So if I'm really understand he's my shepherd, among other things, then it's easier to trust him with my life. So I just think God desires to be known as he is. So that's totally why I think this is important. You gave us kind of a challenge as we wrap up here, but I think this is so like full of challenge in in this story. So many applications. The one you gave us was, and it's a good one. What do you think um, you need to work on as far as your provision? Like where or not? Yeah, what, where not do you, what do you need to, work to be shepherded right now? Where do you where need do you to be shepherded? Right. Yeah. So it's not what do what do you need to work on? It's like where does God need to meet me? Yeah. Right. And so does God need to meet my physical, emotional, social, or spiritual needs? Yeah. And so how can I pray in that way this week and and ask for God to meet that? Um, I think another good one is just like allow your view of God to be shaped and morphed each week. Allow new ideas to enter your head and to be challenged, like whether it's the angel of the Lord and thinking about, wow, okay, Jesus was present in the Old Testament. And what does that mean? And he's so much bigger than maybe I thought before. Yeah. Or for God, like, okay, he met him under a tree and gave him shade. Like he cared about him in such small ways and just realizing that or realizing that he was in the whisper and not the earthquake. Yeah. And so, you know, Maybe God's not going to do the big thing all the time. Maybe he's going to talk to me quietly as I sit there in my time with him. So I don't know, whatever it is, allow your view of God to be shaped and altered. And don't just, don't just walk into church and then walk out the exact same way. Allow your, allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to be changing those things inside you. So I don't know, maybe that's what I think the challenge should be. Yeah. Those are all working on me this week. Yeah. And I think ultimately Elijah knew where to run, which was to God. And we need him. And so it's just a reminder to me to keep in that relationship, keep cultivating that because it's, it's in meeting and knowing him. That's my ultimate need. I've got needs in all these areas, but that's my ultimate need is that spiritual. So that yeah. reminded me of that. So Yahweh Rohi, I am your shepherd. Your shepherd. Or cool. as David actually put it, that the I on the Rohi is my, so it's even, oh, it's, so it's almost like I am my shepherd. I just, that's kind of how he's doing it. So huh. that's really cool. But your shepherd is still good. But yeah, isn't that good? Can you give us a sneak peek of next week? Next week? Or okay, we're playing it close to the vest. A little close to the vest, but we're actually going to look at an L name, not L, like the letter L, but E-L. We're going to do a few E-Ls and... Um, El Shaddai. El, Elohim. Yeah, Elo something. Yeah, I'm not going to say, Elo. but oh, you're not gonna this is one of my favorite stories. And I think what we see about God and this is so powerful. So. Um, then we're going to come back to some Yahweh names after that, but we're going to hit an L1, a couple of them this semester. So is it going to be as good as this one? Cause this one was pretty good. Yeah. I love this story, but the one we're doing this week, I love even more. I love both of them. Whoa. That's why I'm starting with them. I think Dang. I love all of them. Actually, all the stories I'm planning on and working with, but this first two are really personal for me. So cool. All right, guys, we hope this was useful to you. Um, we're excited about this series. We hope that you don't just enjoy it and learn new things, but that it actually changes the way that we view God and interact with him. And so if that's the case, then I think, Darren, you're doing a good job. So hopefully that's the end result. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Oh, also the Eagles were robbed. <laughs>